Super Talk Mississippi media production. State Treasurer David McRae has put millions back into the hands of Mississippi citizens, expanding the state's affordable college and career savings program and also returning record amounts of unclaimed money. Check out how Treasurer David McRae's office can help you, your business, or your organization. Treasury.ms.gov. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river, moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes. In a Mississippi Minute. That's right. Today on In a Mississippi Minute is a true wonder in our business of publishing and writing hit songs from George Jones, George Strait, Tim McGraw, Vern Gosden. I can go on for weeks, a week's worth of Mississippi Minutes, actually, with all the hits this man's written. But uh, we'll get to all of that and as much as we can right here. Nashville. Songwriters Hall of Fame nominee for 2018. He's got over 45 million records sold. Five classic number ones and counting. Just so many hits, et cetera, et cetera. Please welcome Kerry Kurt Phillips. What's up, Kerry? Hey, Steve. How you doing? How's things in Mississippi? Well, you know, Music City to the birthplace of uh, it all. It's, uh, it's good. What's been going on there? Where are you living? What parts of Nashville or the outskirts are you living now? Well, I'm south of town now. We're just uh, close enough to to uh, strike with pretty good accuracy when we need to get in there and, and do what we do and, and far enough out that they can't reach us when we want to <laughs> stay out of reach. So that's that's the way we like it to be, my wife and I. We always kind of lived on the periphery that's for a short stint when we had, we're running the publishing company and uh, had some properties down there on the road. We, uh, we lived down there, but uh, we're... We're back out south of town about it. As you've seen it change over your time from when you got there to now. The row isn't the row anymore. You know, used to everybody when they wanted to see where, where music was made in America and, and the heart and soul of it, you know, you went and you, you could basically drive up and down two streets in, in, in Nash Vegas, you know, as we call it, yeah. and, uh, and see, see every single building that uh, some of them were... Uh, were very inconspicuous, but uh, and some of them were very obvious that they were a part of the music business. But they, in those few blocks on those two streets, and you know, you and I know there was there was stuff around the periphery on three, four streets maybe. But mm-hmm. that was the general core of it, you know, of everything that happened in the business from from the writing, the you know, the birth of the song to the uh, the publishing houses, the the recording studios, the management teams, the you know the promotions people and and the and the record labels were all there. It's just not that way anymore. It's spread out now. And uh, but the uh, and I tell people about. I think it's funny. You know, I tell people stories about. You know, like one of our one of our uh, you know colleagues uh, like Dean Dillon. You know that when he first got to town, you know he 
he was, you know, all the those old houses down there had coal chutes on them, you know, and he'd, <laughs> he'd pop one of those coal chutes up and, and climb down in the bottom of a publishing house somewhere and sleep and, you know, get up and climb out of the coal chute, you know. <laughs> that's one of the greatest songwriters, whatever, tied a tennis shoe, you know. Yeah. <laughs> was, that, that's how he started. But that was, you know, and you had people like Maggie Cavender in town, who was the songwriter's sweetheart, that how many people slept, you know, on her front porch or in her living room, you know, they were up-and-coming songwriters that were just trying to get a, people like, you know, Gatlin and how you could just go on and on, you know. But um, but it just didn't have that homey, you know, small-town feel anymore, I don't think. But. You started writing your first deal was with the Gatlins? It, well, it was. It was with a, uh, a company that he funded. Uh, started out of a tiny little publishing company called API, Affiliated Publishers. It was in the Spence Tower down there. I, I tell people about the people that I ran into in the elevator on that building. And <laughs> it's just crazy, you know, from Conway Twitty to, you know, it's just crazy. Yeah. Crazy. So, you, so the, the, what? Take me through it. You get your first publishing deal. We know what that feels like. I mean, where'd you where'd you grow up? I grew up in uh, Western Kentucky, a little town, a little county, Henderson County. Right. Henderson was the, was the county seat, and until uh, I was about oh, 14 or 15, and then uh, moved to southern Indiana, a little town called Vincennes there, and it was from Vincennes after I graduated high school and bounced around, you know, from a junior college to Purdue University and was a ag major there, and, uh, you know, I uh, I was selling... <laughs> I got to, to playing music so much and, and skipping classes to play music at Purdue, and I was selling used guitars and junk amplifiers and stuff out of my, my little apartment. But uh, one day, one day I was I got called into the dean's office, and, uh, and we need to have a little talk with you, and I had missed a bunch of classes, of course, and I, I had gotten, unknown to me, I had been skipped a, a class and, and uh, went to the park to jam with some guys who were some bluegrass pickers and I, I loved bluegrass at the time was picking with them and we got our picture taken. We were all three students at Purdue and we were all supposed to be in class so <laughs> so that I got called in you know about my sicknesses that I'd had and for missing class and feeling bad and, and that Dean presented me with that picture where I was on the page of the front page of the local newspaper there in West Lafayette, you know, and said, well, <laughs> so maybe it's time I leave, you know. <laughs> so uh, I left and went back to, to Vincennes, Indiana, and I opened a little music store, and there I could, you know, I had about $600 to my name, and I opened that music store and peddled around with it and grew it for, for a few years, and then Decided if you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly like everybody else. You know, I started sending songs into Nashville and couldn't get arrested and said, well, I'd drive down there, you know, every, try to go once a month or once every couple of months. And I finally said, you know what, if you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly. And I threw a mattress in the back of the old music store van that I used to deliver stuff and and uh, a guitar and, you know, enough clothes to last me for a while. And I moved to Nash Vegas and, uh, and started it off. I was in town two weeks beating on doors, and I got signed to that deal with Gatlin. Yeah, and you have to do and that. People ask game. all the time, well, what do you, and they think that you just can just stay where you are. First of all, man, it just, you got to have it. You got to go, well, at oh, some yeah. point, there's a this training ground. I mean, it's like this, yeah. 
I don't, I can't explain it, but it was like boot camp at first because I was jumping from one rider to the other. I mean, sometimes two a day, three a day. Oh yeah. And, and oh, yeah. it was, I was like, uh, it was exhausting, and and I was putting on and faking as. I mean, because you can't just be on that way. I, I realized, you know, when we, our good friend Mark Allen Springer, when you write, when you write with Mark <laughs> Allen, you go first of all, you sink down into that chair because I, I ended up writing at Roger Murrah's after he did. And I ended up in his office. There's a teacher. Oh, what a great teacher. And Mark Allen would be sunk in that chair of his. Like, you'd have to peel him off, but he'd go, you'd write one line and he'd go, let's go to the merchandise store. <laughs> you know? <laughs> or or did you yeah. did you ever end up, I know you probably did that, but did you ever oh, yeah. end up building, like, a gymnasium at his house, a building pond? <laughs> I build. never got ripped into that, but I, <laughs> I knew what was going on out there. Oh, I man. saw it. Yeah. You get a song. You get a song out of him, but it take about a year to write with him. We're, I'm killing him right now. But he was a huge mentor of mine. And uh, but but dang, he, he he it was so good for me because he just said, "Look, when we started doing our thing, that's when the hit started happening." He goes, "Go away, go build something, go do something." So I went and built an upstairs, you know, and uh, yeah. and then it started to happen. I mean, it's it's the strangest thing where I think I was putting so much pressure on myself, trying to figure me out, which was difficult. We're talking to Kerry Kurt Phillips. So, Kerry Kurt, so what's your first cut you get? Like your my first cut. My very first cut, not my first hit, but my first yeah. cut was a um, a George Jones cut, believe it or not. Wow. And I, I uh, pitched the song around, and uh, the uh, folks over at, which was CBS Records at the time, it was now Sony, but CBS said, uh, we want this song for Jones. They were trying to bring Jones back, you know, and mm-hmm. we hadn't, hadn't had a hit in a while, and... Uh, my publisher said, "Well, this song's too good." Said, so "Can't have this song unless we, unless you give us a, a promise that uh, you know it's going to be the first single off this Jones album." So, so they gave him a letter and they showed me the letter. I wish I still had a copy of that and said, "You know, we promise this." And all the legalese said, "We promise that this will be the first single off the new Jones cut, off the new Jones album." It was a thing called "Where the Tall Grass Grows." Yeah. And, uh, so the Jones album came out, and of course it was not the first single, <laughs> the second single. wasn't any single, you know. <laughs> and you can't do anything about it. <laughs> yeah, and that's when I had the epiphany that said, you know, what in the world was, was I thinking? You know, they don't have to cut that song. They're not legally bound to. They don't. Yeah. And, 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 you know, what are you going to do about it? Right, you know, <laughs> make it so you never get another cut on CBS Records, Ray yeah. Kane? Or, no, you you're at the mercy of it. it. <laughs> yeah, I just realized that. I didn't, that song wasn't that powerful. I let you should but, have signed, uh, the, signed that little contract, whatever it is, because it wasn't worth the paper or the pen. <laughs> no, and I, you know, I already had it. I had money spent about fifteen times. You know, I had oh, yachts yeah. and yachts and and you know, houses with circle driveways. And, we had our. And we stayed kinds. ahead of ourselves, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're talking to Gary Kurt Phillips. I'm Steve Azar. You're in a Mississippi minute. Stand by. Yes, I'm face those burning memories where the tall grass grows can't go back and face those memories where the tall grass grows in 
a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Well, I got my first truck when I was three, drove a hundred thousand miles on my knees, hauled marbles and rocks and all twice before, I hauled a Barbie doll bed for the girl next door, she tried to pay me with a kiss and I began to understand, there's something women like about a pickup man. <laughs> talking to Kerry Kirk Phillips. This man has written more hits than I, I mean, I'm sitting here, I have a, if you saw my studio and all the guitars, he's written more hits than all these guitars. There's a lot of, a lot of guitars. <laughs> this man has done it. You know, where'd it come from? I've had you a know? lot of great help from great, great well, co-writers. Man. Well, that's the humbleness and in, in, in the honorable side of you, but uh, everybody I've ever talked to that's written with you, just, uh, they're, they're floored, you know what I mean? And you have this, it's what Mark Allen and Roger Murrah and, and Mac McAnally, a lot of this kids that grow up uh, you're growing up in small towns right oh, um, yeah. and there's there's this humor i guess um first of all characters get developed in these small towns uh oh, people with yeah. personalities and i always say man you think the artists have personalities the people writing the songs it's another level it's it's like on another planet and <laughs> and did you grow up in like a household of humor or um it's the wit you know what I mean? That to me, yeah. that makes this songwriter. You've always been that guy. So, what was it like growing up as a kid in your household? Oh, my mother had a, a quick wit. You know, she was she was lightning fast with wit, and um, and and her mother was known for her quick wit. My grandmother and uh, and you know, I just hung out with those people that had that <laughs> quick wit. And I don't I don't know if it, it's genetic or it's something that you <laughs> you absorb and and start to. Uh, you know, start to feed back to people, but uh, I loved it. I loved the reaction it got. You know, and, and you know, it's it fuels itself. You know, and uh, I was surrounded by those people. You know, Danny Morrison. I tell people he was the funniest guy I ever met in my life, and probably the fastest wit in in Nashville. He's one of the guys that essentially told me I ought to be in Nashville. You know, one of those mm-hmm. one of those phone calls I made from from my little cabin out in the middle of nowhere in in southern Indiana one night that he said, "Boy," he said, "I think." said, I think you ought to be in Nashville writing songs, you know, and he'd written, had hits by everybody from Engelbert Humperdinck to, you know, Gene Watson, you know. And, you and feel like that was pivotal? That. Like a, you oh, yeah. hear that, right? Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely was. Yes, it was. He was, And he became one of my biggest mentors and, and closest friends, and, you know, it was like a father to me when I got down there, you know. Yeah, it's just amazing. You know, I, I stepped into... A man named Rick Sanchez's office. He'd already turned me down, and went, I remember knocking on the door, and uh, he goes, "We've already said no." And then he goes, "He goes, but you don't look like your picture." And I didn't know how to take that. And you don't. And, and he goes, "Maybe you don't sound like the tapes you sent." And I went, "I don't even know how to take that." <laughs> you know. And so I, I went in there, and the funny thing was, he did this. He goes, "Play me something you wrote years ago," because I was at the time I was about twenty. I was, about, I was about 26 or 7. And yeah. so he goes, play. So I, he goes, I want you to go back to your teens. So I did that. And he looked at me and he goes, play me another. I, he goes, Steve, you're a songwriter. And I went, you're kidding me. These songs that I wrote when I was 14 and 15, you know, there was something I look back and I, and I think about it. It's a no-brainer because I, it was just... It was just energy True. and sort of there was this freedom where I wasn't figuring anything out. I, you know, and then yeah. I started getting in my own way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that great, that great piece of paper on you see on people who don't freeze up. You know, you started to 
started to pull your punches and, and think about it too much. Yeah, overthought yeah. it to a, to the point where it didn't matter. <laughs> yeah, paralysis by analysis. Yeah, I, I know. know. I know. That's why you go build something. That's you know? why you go build. That's why Mark Allen Springer said you yeah. need to go build something fast. <laughs> and you can. Cu- and I've got something you can build. You know, I yeah. And by the way, I'm building something. <laughs> if you want to. Come help me. Yeah, I almost died three or four times. You know, I almost flipped the tractor. You know, with the bu- if I didn't drop the bucket <laughs> building the pond, he thought I was gone. I mean, and I, I wasn't that guy. So you grow up on a farm. You grow up in the ho- the ho- you're at, you're majoring in ag. Did you grow up on yeah. a farm? My family never never had. Of course, my grandfather had farm farmland, but my you know my parents never had enough money to own a farm or to have any farm ground. I, but I I grew up in a in, agriculture communities and and all my friends had farms so i i was a farm kid by proxy I guess, <laughs> if that makes sense but, yeah and it was kind of like you know you help uh, you know if there was hay to put up i was putting it up and if there were right. cows to be moved or or field to be you know dissed or whatever you know i somehow or another i i got in on it so i felt like i, I grew up a farm kid but uh yeah, two I, you know, two sort of homes, I guess you you claim. I guess you would say because yeah. you were born in one and then raised, finished being raised yeah, in I another. Yeah, I had two great great hometowns, and then the, and the, and I had friends from both. You know, those hometowns were about oh, a little over an hour apart. But I, I tell people the funniest thing about them was that I had friends, the closest friends of my life in both places, and somehow through me they made friends and. And I would get a call from one, or I'd call one, and I'd say, "Well, what are you doing?" You know, one in, one in one place. They say, "Well, I'm, I'm down at so and so." She was. I said, "Well, wait a minute. Now that's, that's my friend. You're hanging out with my friends in another town." And, and it was like it, it grew this kind of network of friends that I, that uh, traversed the space between the two towns. You know, so it was, it was a pretty neat thing. Still exists. And Purdue, so you know, you you guys have put out some quarterbacks. I can tell you. I mean, I don't know if you were paying attention while you were, because obviously you weren't <laughs> going to class. Maybe you were thinking about so you were watching the football. Uh, your a football little bit. Team. The, a uh, little bit. Are you a fan of Purdue still? I I, you know, not an active one. I right. Can't say that. I just uh, I just don't follow sports that much. I've, I've uh, you know I was always a guy that was into contact sports you know i was a guy that lettered in wrestling and i've you know my my go build something and mm-hmm. i did go build stuff in nashville but my distraction you know part of it was to to go and uh you know i taught fight classes and taught martial arts for oh so you did all that you still do all did that? that yeah i still do that a bit and uh you know the sword and the sundry other things but that's one of my big distractions and uh but i never was really a I loved. I played, you know, football as a kid, and and uh, but but I uh, I just didn't don't keep up with it and don't can't sit down and watch it. You know what I mean for hours. Right. So you grew up with the whole martial arts thing. Uh, <clears throat> to a degree, yeah, to a degree. I really didn't get active in it till, you know, I had a I had a bad bad wreck in uh, Nashville, and uh, and uh, I'd had a heart attack, and I. Wow. I uh, was going to a going to a showcase for an act down on Twelfth and Porter, and uh, I uh, I crashed a truck and uh, ran into a bridge and button. And anyway, I broke a bunch of bones and mm. and uh, was trying to recover from that and and uh, and got back into it and started started uh, 
started training hard to try to get my my health back and uh, never dropped it never stopped it after that oh that's right so how long ago was the wreck oh my goodness let's see i was riding at zamba at the time yeah so that would have been um Gosh, I was told there'd be no math involved in this interview. Well, man, nobody's going to remember our math. Let's just make something up. <laughs> it was it was long enough ago. <laughs> yeah, it was it was quite a while ago. Twenty years, I don't know. Yeah, probably twenty years ago. Oh man, bless you. You know, you know, we're talking to Kerry Kurt Phillips, incredible hit songwriter, and actually uh, nominee for. Do we know if we're in? If you're a nominee for the Hall of Fame, National no, I said I didn't make it. Those son uh, of a guns. <laughs> I got to sit at the losers table with a bunch of wonderful people, though. <laughs> <laughs> losers table. I know at what that feels banquet, like. Yeah. <laughs> we were knocking on the Grammy door for our film, Something in the Water, the new record I made, and uh, we got right there, and then we got turned back. <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, well, it's, you know, it's I, right. I felt I'm just so honored to be, you know, yeah. to be nominated. You know, I was I was a pup compared to all those guys. All of them are at least you know 15 years my senior. You know, guys like in this year's class was uh, Jim Rushing and uh, yeah. Skip Ewing and. Uh, Oh, uh, Bob Regan. Uh, oh, Our boy Bob. Yeah. I've written more songs with Bob. What a good guy. Yeah. Great yeah. guitar player. You know what I mean? Like, it's ridiculous. I used to go, oh, how, yeah. how can he you was, do that? He session you know? yeah. <laughs> He's so good. He's one of them California cats. Oh, yeah. He's such a good guy. Man, I, in fact, I reached out to him recently just to say hello. And for people that don't understand, look, this is like a love affair. When you, when you bury your soul and get to write together and you really go deep and you have some success together or failures together as songwriters, yeah. that's, that's a separate marriage, man. Oh, it's, that's the key. Oh, yeah, such a great thing. That's a lot of, why a lot of people can't write songs because they sit there in a room guarded across from each other, and and you can't be that way. Well, you got to bear your soul and yeah. be totally honest and and get down to some raw emotion somewhere. Right. You no know, a hit song has to trigger an emotion. No one's done it better than you. We're talking to Kerry Kurt Phillips here in the Mississippi Minute. Kerry Kurt, you get to play. You get to play DJ because I know you're hanging out and you've moved and you're forever going to be probably in Music City. But we in Mississippi are the birthplace of American music. So would you like to I'm gonna make it difficult on Marty Stewart? Would you like to hear a little Elvis Presley or Marty Stewart? <laughs> well, Marty, on more than one occasion, we had we had some things in common would would knock on my wife and I's door when we had a place out uh, in Sumner County and uh on some rare occasions so let's do marty that's awesome we're taking down the king of rock and roll that's uh uh, marty will appreciate that we're in a mississippi minute we're with the fabulous incredible smash hit songwriter curry kurt phillips we're gonna be right back In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I don't need your rocking chair, your Geritol or your Medicare. Well, I still got neon in my veins. I'm Steve Azar. We are with hit songwriter. Many, many, many hits. 45 million records sold, which are going away, by the way. So, Kerry Kurtz, it's a good thing you got to 45 million with the streaming. and Yeah, that's not going to increase, I believe. That's a stagnant. <laughs> it's stuck. 
it's stuck Very in its static. own tracks. Not, yeah. not dynamic anymore. Yeah, no, that's all right. We're Kerry Kurt Phillips. Uh, first hit now. We talked about your first cut, and that's fantastic. But what about your first hit? I feel like I've told these stories so long that uh, not to my, my listeners. Wife, <laughs> my wife just walks out of the room, and I start to tell one of these stories. Somebody asks me questions. She, or she, she either walks out or she says, "You want me to tell it?" <laughs> Well, I got to tell you, I had I had this heart attack. I was 28 years old Gosh. in Nashville, <clears throat> and uh, I had a heart attack. I signed, signed a developmental deal with Arista and had this band. We was going to be the next big Alabama, you know. And, yeah. Uh, long story short, I had a heart attack and on the Friday of the day we were supposed to be in the studio in the Bennett House on Monday recording the first five sides for the ball to hear, and it was down between us and another band called the Tennessee River Boys, who was going to be the first act signed to, to Ariston. I had this heart attack, so I was in the hospital at Vanderbilt. At 28? At 28. was laying there, you know, <laughs> thinking about my, my future and, and uh, a bunch of other wonderful things, and, and I thought, man, I've been in town, I'd been in town three years, and I couldn't get arrested. You know, I thought, I've got a writing deal, it's just about up, you know, and and uh, I had this band deal that was going to work. Now that's blowed out of the water because they went ahead and recorded without me, and, and it was just a, a real crazy time, and I thought, man, what am I, I'm going to go back home with my tail between my legs, and yeah, he went down there to Nashville, and, you know, we told him he wasn't, wasn't, didn't have no business down there, you know, he ought to stay up here and do what he's supposed to do, and, and uh about that time, I was laying in the hospital bed, and a little nurse, I still remember, from Ashland, Ashland, Kentucky, came in there. And uh, you know how hospitals are always freezing, you know? And, mm-hmm. and I was, I couldn't, of course, you know, I, I said, good God, I said, is it cold in here or is it just, and I stopped right there and I said, could you get me a pen and a piece of paper? <laughs> and she, she came back and I started writing song out, you know, and scribbling out ideas on it. And I got, I got out of there and... A couple, I don't know, a week or so later, and I was down at the office API up there in Spence Manor, and <laughs> this guy that I had started to hang out with some and get to know one of the most incredible singers I'd ever met in my life, Zoe Dippy, was, I didn't know him, I wasn't good friends with him, but I, you know, just kind of an acquaintance, and right. he was standing there, it was about time to go home, you know, it was 5.30, and the office was closing up in the publishing office, and, and he was talking to the manager, and, a, they, you know, he'd recorded his first album. It hadn't come out yet. So he hadn't he had, talk- so this is, this no. is pre-Joe yeah. Dippy hits, okay. Yeah, yeah, he had he'd recorded, recorded his first album there on on CBS, and uh, and so after there was a break in the conversation, he was trying to get out the door. I said, hey, Joe, I got a song idea I'd love to write with, and he said, man, he said, I he said, I, I don't have time to even talk about it, Kerry. He said, I, I got to go, you know, and he started towards the door, and then somebody said something to him over another group of people that were, like I said, there was managers and a producer mm-hmm. and so on and so on. Then he started back towards the door, and I said, Joe, it's, it's a really good idea. I said, I'd love to write for you. He said, man, I have got to go. He said, my <laughs> wife is waiting on me. She's, she's going to kill me, she said. He said, and anyway, he went back over there again, and the uh, third time back, I said, Joe, I said, is it cold in here, or is it just you? And he went reached over very calmly and on the receptionist desk he picked up the phone he dialed the number he said honey i'm gonna be late i love it and he hung the phone up <laughs> and so we wrote is it cold in here is it just wow. you we had had it three quarters wrote and danny morrison walked in and we were hung up on a line and danny gave us the line we needed and uh, and uh, and that was my first hit then wow the man album. that's yeah. persistent so there's an example hey you've gone through a heart attack you were fighting yeah. for that 
You know, it's almost like you it, it's an innate ability or either experience or either you're hungry as all get out. <laughs> you're starving. Oh, you, yeah. You, you start fighting for a particular thing. You got to kill something and drag it home or, or else, yeah. you know. And you did. And, you, you know, yeah. for me, I was ha- we were on our third child, and we were in the hospital. So I'm going to tell you, we have a hospital story. And our daughter, <laughs> Cecilia, we were trying to keep her in for about an, another 45 minutes because it had been St. Cecilia's. It, yeah. It was her feast, the feast of St. Cecilia. And yeah. so we were trying to keep her in, but the third baby, she wanted to come flying out, and she's been that way ever since. So she, <laughs> she unfortunately was uh, like 30 minutes ahead of schedule. and uh, But that day was when I got the call from Keith Stegall. And I'll that's when, the, and I'd written Waiting on Joe, and they were going like, what is this? And I, I went, you're kidding me. That's when they offered me my deal. So I'm thinking, I'm in the hospital going like, how am I going to pay for this? I love that. So both of ours, we had to be in a hospital for yeah. it all to happen. I tell everybody, I wrote, I wrote the biggest, and I think it's true for everybody. I wrote the, the biggest songs and the, and the greatest songs in my catalog were always when I was, you know, <clears throat> at the most adversity, you know, under the most adversity, when I was either on dialysis or I had a kidney transplant or, you know, I had a lot of, a lot of health issues, you know, but I, I, it was always one of the, the worst possible times, you know, mm-hmm. when I would, when I would write the best song, you know. So you're Joe Dippy Somewhere song. hooked up to dialysis. Oh, no, I know. <laughs> I know. And my wife blessed. got the point. She said, you know what? She said, Maybe, maybe he said, "You feeling all right?" You know, might need a new new Louis Vuitton purse, or you know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what did you buy? I bought, and I wouldn't, I would never would have bought it, you know, because I just. But I, my publisher taught me. Said, "Man, what are you? What are you, you need to go out." I, I hadn't even had any money yet, you know. It was still in the pipeline. Yeah. You know, people think you write the song, you have a hit, and you have, but you know, it's it takes it takes. A, quite a while to get any money through that pipeline mm-hmm. but he convinced me to go buy a new it was the first year so that should tell us about the year it was but that was the first year of the new of a brand new vehicle that was just out a ford explorer yeah and i was driving a, a hoopty you know like the rest of us you uh-huh. know and, and uh so i went and bought a new ford explorer the ones that flipped they were top heavy yeah yeah, yeah, those are the ones. <laughs> I had one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. So people that don't understand, the money sort of sits in limbo and you somewhere in a bank collecting interest. Yeah. Finally, you get this, you get a small check, and then all of a sudden you go, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Not interest for you, but interest no, for no, somebody. No, yeah. Not in our interest at all. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's so good. Okay, so okay, so when do we get on a roll, like a real roll, where where you're starting to go? Oh my good, goodness! And the bank account's starting to grow, and the oh, wife, wife's just, getting happier. Everything's better. Yeah, it started. It started with the first song there, and then it just uh, through the '90s. I mean, through the '90s, I, I was I was, um, you know, the '90s were just magical from beginning to end. It was just you know. One right after another, and uh, and uh, I don't know if success breeds success or, or what. I was just I was just blessed beyond belief in the '90s, you know. And uh, and I I had like I said, you know, things just fell for me, and I was I had the right co-writers, and and uh, you know it was just it was just a golden decade there for me. And uh, I don't know why I can't tell you. I was just I I, I would. You know, I was telling somebody the other day that we were talking about, you know, about what it's like today for songwriters, and they were complaining that, well, they come in and they, they all they can get is an 18-month deal, and they have a, they have a, 
18 song uh, quota. They've got to write 18 songs, and they get eight signed for 18 months, and now I get eighteen thousand dollars. That's and they, and they they're just all sitting around, you know, and mm-hmm. and wringing their hands and whining. I said, really? <laughs> I said, well, my first deal was at API was for I got a hundred dollars a week, <laughs> and and yeah. in exchange for that, I they got my, all of my publishing, and I had to clean all the toilets. Wow. And uh, and take out all the trash. So I was. The I mean, custodian. that's like old school Don Goodman, uh, Chris yeah. Christopherson stuff, right there. Yeah, and, and and I called my dad. and I said, you know, well, I've done it. He said, done what? I said, I've made it. I <laughs> said, you know, I, I I've signed a I signed a writing deal, a publishing deal in Nashville. And he said, well, really? He said, what do you get? And I started thinking about it. You know, I said, well, all I could tell him was, well, I'm, my foot's in the door. You yeah. know. Yeah. And I got to hang out with and 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 you know hang out with people who were were great writers. You know, guys like uh, you know guys like Johnny and Danny, and guys like uh, you know Red Lane and Hank Cochran, and you know that I got to be a fly on the wall and fetch them hamburgers. You know, and uh, yeah, and I learn mean, the craft. You know, I would have paid to do that. You know, if I had any money, but uh, well, they're paying but, now uh, to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But eighteen thousand dollars was a whole lot more than I was making. You know? Oh yeah, no, you weren't making. You were, you were you were under six grand a year. So you're right. I mean, how do you even? Was your wife working during this? Period? And they don't have to clean any toilets. No, 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 exactly. I mean, come on. You should have gotten an extra something for that. Yeah. They didn't even have gloves back then. <laughs> Those disposable gloves didn't even exist unless you're a doctor. No. No. <laughs> hey, so we're talking to Carrie Kurt Phillips here in the Mississippi Minute. Stand by. Hey team, are you or do you know an aspiring songwriter or artist that needs coaching and direction on how to navigate the music business? Do you have a corporate event, festival, or fundraiser that needs entertainment or event consulting? Let All Access Azar bring your vision to life and help you avoid the mistakes that can steer success off course. With access to my A to Z wealth of knowledge, expertise, and contacts in the entertainment business, my team and I are ready to help you help assess what your goals are and identify the steps to get there. I'll bring many years of expertise and network resources to help facilitate the success of your brand. To learn more about the wide range of services we offer, visit our website, aaazar.com. That's aaazar.com. Fill out the form that fits your needs, and we'll get back to you. Thanks a lot. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Every Friday night there's a steady cloud of dust That leads back to a field filled with pickup trucks Got old Hank cranking way up loud Got coolers in the back, tailgates down There's a big fire burning, but don't be alarmed It's just country boys and girls getting down on the farm talking to Kerry Kurt Phillips, hit songwriter. Okay, I want to just, I want to throw some stats, because I just, I'm not big on stats, but yours are so big, I got to do it. You've had 75 gold records, 75, okay? 36 platinum albums, accounting for over 45 million record sales. That's just remarkable, and it's a blessing, but you can sit here and talk about all the co-writers you, and I get that, but 
it, the when the shoes on the other f- feet of co-writers when they write with you and everybody that I've ever talked to go, have you ever written with Carrie Kurt Phillips? I mean, it's, and you said yes. <laughs> it was yeah, painful. <laughs> I know it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And didn't well, we start a song about uh, Miss uh, uh, Mississippi? We did. And, we did and you know indeed. What? I, I, back in Mississippi, there's a girl I know, right? Yeah. Are we going to finish that? I'd love to. <laughs> now that I'm here, I should be able we to... We don't want to get in a hurry or nothing, but, you know... No, no, it was 10 year, 12 years ago. Why would we want to rush? <laughs> <laughs> Back in Mississippi, there's a girl I know. Oh, my God, I love it. And we were talking about that at Joe's place, right? Yep, that's it. The bar to daddy. You got a memory like one of them big gray things. Yeah, that's all I can remember, though. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we, uh, we're going to have to, we, I want to do that. We'll set that. So our listeners right now know that we're going to finish that song and we're going to debut it on this yeah, show. It's on record now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So we're going to bring you down also. We're starting a songwriter series uh, down here in Greenville. Um, this oh, place reminds me of Puckett's. And I'm going to bring Mark Allen, Mark Allen in first and I'm going to bring you in second. Okay. So uh, we'll schedule that. It's called Evening at the Mockingbird. <laughs> so, uh, Wonderful. It's, it's at a place that reminds me of Puckett's. It's, in, it's a new place called the Butcher Shop and Mercantile down here. And oh, we've got a lot going wait. on, and it's cool. There's only going to be 100 people allowed in there, and it's going to be fun. But we'll, uh, we'll schedule it uh, when we get There's <laughs> only going to be 100 people forced in there. No, they're going to be blown away. We may, we may, not, be able to, may not be able to get them out. You know, I love those kind of things. That's a, Yeah, they're... And you know what My I do? Forte. I love doing them, but I love, uh, I, you know, I'm used to being alone. So when you go to town, we both went to town basically as artist writers, and I, I wanted to be the artist first and the writer. So I held on to stuff probably like an idiot who had opportunities to get how catch them cuts and stuff like that. So yeah. No, no, I have to have that, you know? Yeah, I'm keeping that for me. Yeah. Idiot. I was an idiot. In the, I never did that. <laughs> well, I made I made friends with Hal later, and we wrote together, and we we did shows together. But uh, I regret that. Um, the The bottom line is, you end up being the songwriter, the songwriter for the artists. And are you were you satisfied with that? Yeah, I, you know, I never I <clears throat> I don't want to you know correct you, but but I I never had any intent of being an artist. You know, I was like. I was like everybody else back home, you know. I played in, I played in, you know, had the little country bands, uh-huh. and you know, we played all the, the animal clubs, and the, and and I had, I played in bluegrass bands, and and uh, even you know in, uh, you know, little rock bands and different stuff, you know. And, and uh, I had never wanted to do anything but write songs, and it was only after I got to Nashville that they convinced me, said, hey, we want to build a band around you, you know, and I said, but I, I, I'm not. I'm not that guy, you know, I don't have that that strong vocal or that, you know, I certainly don't have the look, you know. <laughs> you said they you said the guy said, you know, you don't look anything like your picture, you know. <laughs> no, I didn't have any pictures, you know. So Well, look, I'm going to let you go do your thing and write another hit, but listen, we've got to finish that song. Now that I'm back home, it should be I should be a little bit better of a co-writer, and if I, I'm putting pressure on myself, but if I'm not You got to and you got to promise to to show me how to build that putting green. You know, I'm a golf <laughs> fanatic like you, so show this this uh, homemade putting green you're building. So oh, I love it. Well, yeah, I, I, it was uh, it was. Let's just say it was pretty quick and swift. I had it fast. It was like a twelve <laughs> on a stent meter. Stent meter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, hey, I can't thank you enough. People that want to go search you out, I mean, you got to go do it. Uh, my listeners. 
Kerry Kurt Phillips is just a, a true gem. And look, the Hall of Fame this year, I think that what they do is like the Baseball Hall of Fame or football. They make you wait, and they make you wait. <laughs> and then they're going to let you in. You'll probably be dead and gone, but they'll let you in. <laughs> you won't get to celebrate. I don't care. It's just, you know, it's just great to, to, to you know, our peers, and, and we're all – we're all in there, you know, fishing in the same barrel and trying to make stuff up to make a living, you know, and yeah. uh, and uh, it's just a it's a great community and it's it's a heck of a way to make a living, you know. We've survived thus far. And, yeah, know, I'm tickled to death to do the do this thing. It's it sounds like a wonderful thing, and but uh, it's good to talk about, you know, the business and, and yeah and uh, the people we know in. Well, I can't thank you enough to, for spending a Mississippi minute with me, your brother, a pal. Blessings and uh, and we'll uh, we'll catch up. We're gonna catch up very soon. All right, I'll talk to you soon. All right, partner. Thanks again. Bye bye. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi minute, all sixty of them, where you can take your sweet time. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.